Welcome to The Thing About Health Coaching, the first ever podcast from Your Coach Health, where we discuss advancements in health and wellness coaching, trends to watch, and the growing body of research. This episode was generated from conversations that occurred at our Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium in November of 2021, with a focus on the building blocks of happy humans and how health coaches support along the way. Please note that the industry is rapidly changing, so some of the information discussed may be outdated. For the latest compendium of research, be sure to follow along with us and check out our latest health coaching report. We enjoy bringing you each and every episode, and it would mean a lot if you could rate this podcast in your favorite player. And of course, hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. So I would love to welcome everybody here today for the ROI of preventative health, why incorporate coaching in corporate wellness. Um, my name is Sarah Hayes Coomer. I am a Mayo Clinic and National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach and an author. And I write a biweekly column for Forbes, a health coaching column called Hey Health Coach. And um, I am so excited to be here today and to have been um, invited to moderate this panel um, with all of you who have such a rich and diverse experience in human resources, education, and promoting wellness for people all over the world. So um, thank you for being here. Thank you to Eugene and Marina and Rebecca, your health coach, for hosting and organizing this whole thing. Um, as a coach, my heart is in the work itself, right? In the transformations that we see as coaches in clients and patients and larger group systems. Um, and the conversation today about return on investment, I think is really important because as we all know, money talks. And when companies um, can see and measure the impact of health coaching on their bottom line, um, that's when I think we're gonna see broader adoption of coaching in corporate and clinical environments and ultimately, Hopefully, coaching will be available to um, support much broader populations. Um, so I'm very curious as a journalist to see how health coaching fits into this moment that we're currently in, which, as you know, is being dubbed the great resignation, um, and how companies might be looking to incorporate health coaching to help keep their employees happy and healthy. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning from all of you. And I would like to start, I'm just gonna introduce each of you and give you each the floor for a minute to talk about yourself and your work. And Margaret, I would love to start with you since you've been on the ground here doing this work for a long time and establishing the educational and certification standards for health coaching. So uh, Margaret Moore is uh, AKA Coach Meg, founded Well Coaches Corporation in the year 2000. Margaret is co-founder and board member of the National Board for Health and Wellness Coaching, and she spearheaded the formation of a strategic partnership with the National Board of Medical Examiners and is leading the efforts to establish CPT codes and reimbursement for health coaching, which is so important. So thank you for that. And I'd love to hear you speak in your own words about your work a little bit. Thank you, Sarah, and um, lovely to be with you both, Linda and George. Um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, well. I, I come at this from, you know, my, my, my role, I, my first career was in biotech. And so, and, you know, a, a good deal of my time I spend as a leader and some of it as a coach and, um, and I coach executives. And so when I think about um, 
the workforce. Uh, I, I'm remembering a project that we did with um, a group, the C-suite, in a big biotech company a few years ago. And I said to them, look, you want to double your revenues. You want to double your size. Where is the psychological, emotional, physical energy to do that going to come from? Um, that's a big lift. And you know, if you're going to want people to grow to that level, they're going to need the fuel, the, the, the fuel to get there. And that means you've got to make well-being a priority um, at all levels. And they invited me back a few years later when they had doubled in sales to show me everything they had done. Um, you know, a brand new building with a gym and a boutique, you know, restaurant and, and gardens outside that people were growing and uh, emphasis on groups getting engaged in their favorite passions. Like just, it was everywhere. Well-being was everywhere. And they said, thank you. It's because of that, you know, that time we spent, there were 10, 10 that got coached. So I think that's the story I want to lead with because that's what this is all about. Well-being is the fuel for growth and transformation, especially now. Um, and so it's a no-brainer to focus on well-being at this point. That's wonderful. That's great. Thank you. Um, Linda Aiello is Vice President and International Employee Success at Salesforce. And she is leading employee recruitment, benefits, and engagement programs for the International Salesforce Ohana. Prior to joining Salesforce, Linda held, uh, led human resources and recruiting for Uber and several leading fashion brands. So Linda, can you tell us a little about yourself and your work? Sure, um, and actually I, I lead this uh, globally at Salesforce. Um, and really, you know, at Salesforce, we talk about uh, employee success um, as opposed to something like HR. And when we think about our customers, we think about customer success and thinking about how do we remove all of the friction? How do we create the environment um, for our customers to be as successful as possible? So what my team works on is doing that same thing for our employees. So what are all of the elements uh, that lead to an employee being able to do the best work in their lives? And we take a really serious look at the overall well-being of our employees, um, knowing that you know, when employees are well, not only you know, physically, but mentally, um, financially, et cetera. So thinking about multiple pillars of wellness, not just one specific thing, um, that actually is a big factor in removing the friction um, for them doing this great work. Uh, we also see really impressive stats in terms of uh, work-related stress, burnout, et cetera, and understanding what impact that has on the organization uh, and also on the humans. So we've really built out a set of um, benefits and a really overall overarching um, uh, wellness program for our employees. And we see the positive impact of that, even through times like the pandemic, through the racial equality and justice issues that we're having um, for years and years and bubbling up even more recently. Uh, and, and sort of the isolation that people are feeling and the great resignation, or I like to call it the great reshuffle because I fundamentally believe that companies who are doing this right and who are taking care of their employees are actually gonna benefit from this because they're gonna be the attractors of the people who are looking for a change and looking for something different. Oh, that's great. I'm very curious to hear more about all of the specifics of those programs. 
Um, and then last we have George Rivera, who serves as Senior Vice President of Commercial and Enterprise Sales at the Society for Human Resource Management. He is responsible for broadening the awareness of their mission to enhance workforce development by building and strengthening partnerships with some of the largest enterprise organizations around the globe. Um, but from what I understand from your bio, you are very focused on people. So I would love to hear more about that and you and your work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, me and my team are responsible for uh, building the relationships with the organizations that employ the 115 million uh, people that uh, uh, are served by the members that we serve. And so uh, for the longest time, the Society for Human Resource Management, or SHRM, has been known as a B2C organization, but we're uh, really doing phenomenal work with B2B in the B2B space with organizations, helping them think through all of these same problems that we're talking about. So whether it's return to work uh, or, or how to combat burnout or just how to get the most out of your people, these are the conversations that we're having with organizations every single day. And I think the unique thing about our perspective at SHRM is we have to represent all types of companies. And so uh, whether it's a, a tech forward company or a manufacturing company that doesn't have the ability to uh, remote work or uh, you know, you know, has to still build airplanes within a, a hangar, um, they all have different needs and they have to come at these problems from a different way. And that's the unique part about what I do every day. And it fits with my personal passion, which is about developing people and helping people achieve the, the life and career that they've always longed for. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, so that's a great segue to, to the, to the people, because the people is, is who are all here to serve, really. So um, let's start at the employee level. And uh, in your respective positions, I would love to know how you've seen health and wellness coaches improve the overall well being of employees. And then you feel free to jump in. Sorry, who is that directed to, Sarah? It's for any of you to feel free to oh. jump in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, you know, we've lots of case studies at Well Coaches because we've we've collected data in uh, um, twelve studies of outcomes with twenty two thousand coaching clients, and then our coaches have generated four hundred thousand or so coaching sessions in the last five years across all sorts of employers, and so. Um, so we are, um, you know, we've got just an endless list, list of testimonials of what happens in those conversations. And I think what's important is that first um, people feel cared for. So when you work with a coach one-on-one -on -one, um, and they're good, you open up really quickly and you get to the important stuff really quickly that you don't necessarily get to in other conversations. And when you get deep, go deep fast, which is really what motivational interviewing is all about, open question, reflection, deep, open reflection, you know, open question, reflection, get, go deep, then you get more leverage and then you get more transformation. And so I think the, the, uh, the first thing is this relationship that is very special. Um, and that leads to people thinking their employer cares about them and they stay. And so I think that's the first point I would make is that this relationship is so precious and it makes people feel as though they're valued and that you know, retention maybe right now, particularly one of the top considerations for hiring coaches. Yeah, oh, that's great. It's interesting on the retention front too. You know, it's it's funny because often you go into leadership teams, and you know their their initial instinct is to think that retention is always linked to money, 
Um, we've done a lot of deep dives and found that's actually not the case and that's not what employees are looking for. So it's, you know, it's, it's more important than ever. It's essential that we prioritize you know, employee well-being, uh, mental health, et cetera. And we're in this sort of always on, always connected world and we're truly at risk of burning people out. Um, you know, at Salesforce, even looking at our statistics, one in three report high levels of work-related stress, although it's down from last year. Uh, one in four at high risk of burnout. Um, and only 71% of people believe that the work is sustainable and the pace of the work is sustainable for them. And they're not looking for more perks. They're not looking for more cash. They want employers who put their well-being first and support them with meaningful benefits like health coaching. Uh, and also as we kind of enter this what I refer to as the success from anywhere world, we're really empowering employees with flexibility to work in ways that best work for them and really providing more resources and support to help them feel productive, happy, and well from anywhere is critical to the success that we're gonna embark on in the future. Great, thank you, Linda. Yeah, I, I, I love all of that. You know, uh, the Sherm Foundation uh, a little bit earlier this year put out a report called the uh, Promoting Employee Wellbeing Report. Uh, and essentially, we just took a deep dive into all types of different organizations to better understand what the real, I mean, frankly, the ROI on, on this is. I mean, we obviously can find links to absenteeism, uh, to employee engagement, satisfaction, and then, of course, turnover, um, uh, Linda, as you mentioned as well. And so um, I think that as we think about um, uh, organizations that are putting that focus on wellness coaching um, are really meeting employees where they're at right now and and in a time in which we frankly none of us really know what's next and and there's so much uncertainty um, and so having somebody to help them think through how do I show up as an employee and a person right now um, in this in these uncertain times are so important and we find that organizations that are taking those steps uh, are, are really having a, a much better outcome um, and output from their people. George, building on that, um, what specific kinds of health and wellness benefits are you seeing adopted most commonly? Um, what, what are the trends that you're seeing and how are they actually rolling those out? Yeah, I think, um, <clears throat> I'm getting that echo, sorry. Um, probably the, the, the top two are telehealth um, benefits right now that we've seen in an increase in uh, telehealth benefits go up by about 20% last year. Um, and then employee coaching specifically, so uh, coaching around think mindfulness, think wellness, um, was a 43% increase year over year uh, of organizations that are putting some sort of investment in that space. I don't know that it's the investment that we want long-term, but at least it's a step in the right direction uh, when you think about how organizations are investing in their, in their people. The other thing that's worth noting is turnover in organizations that uh, took the time to make, to make that, that investment, investment, the ones that, that didn't, didn't pull back, back during uh, the, the, the throes of COVID, COVID but really, really kind of doubled, doubled down and said, our people are our value. Uh, we uh, saw that, that their um, that their turnover is significantly less than those of their counterparts that had to pull out, pull back, and therefore um, their, their outcomes from last year were significantly better. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, I mean, I think adding to what George was saying, when we were talking through our approach during the pandemic and when we were initially were embarking on how are we going to respond to this, uh, we, we always prioritize things that we call the V2 mom, so vision, value, uh, methods, obstacles, and metrics. And we publish these openly, and when we have large projects, like our, our response to COVID, um, our employees see all of this. And our number one method on our V2 mom around COVID response was the health and well-being of our employees and their families. Um, so we were right off the bat showing 
this is the thing that's most important. So when you started to look at the list of things that were important, it was not until you got to the third or fourth one when there was something about what we're doing for our customers, because we knew that we had to keep our employees well uh, and in a good state of mind and resilient through this time. Uh, and we saw the impact of that. I mean, we're, we're a public company. You can look at our numbers. We had a tremendous year last year. We, you know, and it was this, oh my gosh, what are you doing? You're focusing on your employees. You should be focusing on your customers only. Uh, you're going to lose. And we ended up being, being the winner. So we had great tailwinds behind us because of that focus. Um, on the well-being, and you know, there there are lots of different pieces around thriving minds, putting um, out a mental health toolkit, offering benefits financially so people can also do things like invest in in health coaches, um, bringing people on to speak to our employees as well, um, having that coaching available to people. The telehealth is also a, a huge piece. All these things that can be done from your living room as well become more and more important. And how can that be? to you? How can that be unique? And this is where, you know, health coaching is very, very dialed into who that specific individual is, as opposed to something that feels like a, a very vanilla benefit, vanilla benefit. Do you have one for how many people are, that's for all of us. Um, do you have any feel for how, um, uh, many of your employees are taking advantage of health coaching. Yeah, actually, we know we know the number is fairly significant. So, you know, we offer reimbursement, um, but then we also offer uh, some different some various sessions um, throughout the organization. So, you know, we're we're an organization that's sort of upwards of seventy thousand people at this point in time, um, and we we are aware that you know sort of roughly seventeen to eighteen percent of our people are actively uh, taking advantage of this, and this is a significant increase, you know, in the past years. And you know we're very focused on preventative, um, preventative medicine, as we say it, yeah. or you know looking at different different opportunities to um, prevent issues going forward. Um, and we're seeing that increase more and more and more. Whether it's the focus on you know metabolic ho health, et cetera, or it's the focus on on that well being as well. Um, and we're seeing that usage predominantly through our wellness reimbursement. Um, but also through uh, some some unique benefits and connections that we have, and those are the biggest increase in uptake that we've had, um, along with one around parenting over the course of the past couple of years. Yeah, that was a challenge for sure during the pandemic. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I was uh, I, I was I was never ne never so happy as to not worry about homeschooling and doing my work at the same time and dealing with not only you know my my own well being but. Uh, the well-being of, of people who are deeply impacted, because that's the other piece. Is there were, it was not only the employee, but how impacted their family members were. And you know, when you're the caregiver um, to those individuals and trying to take on that burden, uh, it's it's an incredible burden to take on. So anywhere that we could help relieve that burden a bit for our employees uh, went a long way. And while we're seeing this great resignation happen. You know, when we look at our numbers, we're not feeling the impact. And you know, of course, we're we're constantly worried about our retention of our employees. Um, and at some point, some of our board members were were like, "Well, why are you worried? Our other companies are in much worse in much worse shape." And 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 we realize it's because of where we invested, um, and because of the permission that we're giving people as well. So it's not only putting that benefit forward and making it there, but it's also making sure people know they have the permission to take advantage of this. Um, and the permission to take their time for themselves um, on this as well. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Linda. 
Margaret, do you have anything on that? On uh, what what kind of benefits you're seeing adopted most frequently? Oh, your microphone is off. I'm sorry, I've got a bit of noise in the background uh, outside. Um, the thing I'd want to add to, can you hear me okay? Yes. Is it bad? Okay. Um, so I'm so sorry. Uh, so Linda, just building on your experience and this deep understanding around the importance of well-being and real worry, right? Like real concern for the welfare of people. Um, one of my other roles is um, at the Institute of Coaching. I'm chair of the Institute of Coaching, which is based at McLean and Harvard Medical School. And um, we did a, a study um, interviewing 33 executives last year, right in the middle, like last summer. And um, I led the turning of that into a report. And the big message there, so the report's called Leading with Humanity, the Future of Leadership and, and um, Coaching. And the big, um, the big message, and, and this came through the data being the transcripts of what the executive said, is that what, what people realized is that if you lean in to the humanity, you know, the humanity of each person's particular circumstances, what they need and what they're not getting and what their struggles are, um, they will reward you by creating an agile, resilient organization. So um, I wouldn't say this is the definitive study, but I think most people would get that if you want an organization to be able to um, deal with crisis after crisis, right? Um, and, and really be able to um, pull it together and perform at peak, the way you do that is to show that you care deeply for their humanity. And so I think that's not a message, you know, I did an MBA degree a few, you know, a while ago, and I remember speaking to someone in the finance industry, actually, it's only about 12 years ago, about the fact that, you know, most executives are sacrificing their well-being for their paycheck and for their leadership, and, and they expect the, that people are doing the same. And I think there's, there's a glimmer of hope now that if you put well-being first, really, really do, not just you know, as I say, a corporate wellness person, you know, bless their soul, walking around with a backpack full of bottles of water and bananas. I mean, you know, and I, I hope no one's offended, but corporate wellness has sort of been in the, you know, out of, out of the mainstream of what matters in a corporation. It's sort of like there, but it's not central. And so I think that that understanding of the direct connection between the individual well-being and the organizational agility and resilience has finally become, I think, more clear to more people. I'd love to build on that. That brings me to something that I read on your website, Margaret, that really struck me. Um, you wrote, um, a growth edge is a stressful place where the demands of the moment get ahead of today's level of self-mastery. The stress is our call to grow. Um, and I'm curious, you know, obviously the demand and the need for support is as high, if not higher than ever right now. And I'm curious to know what you see as the growth edges of the health coaching industry right now and some of the solutions or frontiers that you see coming around the bend. Um, yes, well, so there's, there's lots in that you know, my aspiration when I started was that we would have a coach in every doctor's office or at least primary care office as, as a central part of healthcare. 
And so um, the whole world needs to grow some to get there. You know, I think it will happen, but there's a lot of headwinds because we spend so much on healthcare that we've got nothing left to spend on well-being. I mean, that's the truth. You know, you know, you're, when you look at what you spend on, and I'm a Canadian as well as an American citizen, so I understand the difference in the economics. And in Canada, people spend a few hundred dollars a month at most on their health insurance. It's very small, and so people have money left over to spend on their own well-being. So we have our, we have structural issues that here because the cost of healthcare squeezes out you know, the self-care, eating well, you know, having good gym clothes, you know, going to classes, et cetera. Um, for me, what I want to point to as a, as a growth opportunity. So a growth edge is a growth opportunity. And the way I talk about it as a coach is that um, if you simply have a compass as to where you're going as a, as a human being, as a leader, and you really, really understand your strengths, then the simplest way to move forward is just to focus on where you're, under strain because if you get better at that you're going to get stronger you're going to have more uh, capacity so i think that that the growth edge for coaches right now is to um get their skills to a level where they can take in all of well-being life well-being work well-being as well as the physical health piece i think that's where i think most of us as coaches understand that but we've got to give ourselves the freedom to play in, in all domains of people's lives to really help them get at the drivers that are going to improve things. Yeah, yeah. that um, idea of a coach in every doctor's office reminds me, there was an article in the New Yorker a few months ago about Costa Rica and about the system that they have there where they have these teams of, of community health workers that go into every person in every home gets a home visit. <laughs> From, from a community health worker. And then there's a local doctor that is at the center of all of that. And it was, um, it, it's been quite extraordinary, the, the results that they've been able to find with that. And we are a long way from that, but it would be wonderful to begin with, you know, having somebody every, in every office. That's wonderful. Um, one, of the, one of the interesting things is, you know, in certain countries, there are requirements once you're over a certain population um, that you have to have a nurse or, the, you know, and, and when we were looking at our population, and we had, you know, we had to do this in certain countries. There was the, do I need a nurse to put a Band-Aid on my boo-boo? Um, or do I need someone who can coach our folks um, on their overall wellness? Um, and we were, able to, we were able to go with that option. And we know that this is much more impactful to our employees. Um, so, you know, it, it, as we continue to think through, it was, okay, how do we do this uh, in our offices, even beyond where we have requirements like Japan or France uh, or Germany, et cetera. Um, and the, this, is, this is where we saw such a, a spike in the uptake um, from individuals there. So, you know, we've continued this in a remote fashion in this kind of success from anywhere worlds where we are, you know, your office is now your digital headquarters instead of what it used to be. Um, but you know, more momentum on this could make you know could make a big impact uh, to corporations. The thing about health coaching is brought to you by Your Coach Health, the only operating system for behavior change powered by health coaches. We help a growing roster of industry partners stand up or augment their health coaching operations 
with the largest supply of validated health coaches and proprietary technology for seamless integration. We are the premier virtual home for health and wellness coaching, an ecosystem built to empower health coaches while expanding access to their services through our industry partnerships. To find out more, head over to yourcoach.health or yourcoachhealth on all the socials. Join us on the health coaching revolution as we strive to deliver the power of health coaching to the 8.5 billion global population by 2030. You know, and, and one thing I'd like to add really to Margaret's point is, um, you know, in the U.S., we've made a decision or wrong that the employers are at the center of a lot of things employee related, right, With, whether it's healthcare or anything else. And so for, for us at SHRM, uh, as long as that continues to be our, our mandate and responsibility, whether it's formalized or, or informal, um, I think there's so much that the organization can do for the employee. When you think about it, we spend most of our time at work, whether that's virtually or in person, uh, most of our waking hours are at work. So I believe that the employer uh, has a responsibility to help with these things. And so whether it's a, a, a advocate in every office uh, and in every doctor's office or in every work office, um, I think as long as we can give access to people uh, for that coaching, that we can give access to um, advice and and training and development of to how to shape that life uh, that they're looking to shape, how to work through uh, whatever struggles are happening. Uh, I, I think that can continue to be our responsibility. And there's so much more that an employer can do in that space. Um, Sarah, your original question along these lines was, what are we seeing as far as what's important right now to, to organizations? Um, interesting statistics I, I, I have here from a report that we put out. 78% uh, of organizations uh, gave employee options for telework this year. Well, that makes sense, right? And, and I say this year, I mean 20, 2021. Um, and uh, that makes sense, right? We're in the COVID, COVID pandemic. Only 25% of organizations uh, increased their mental health service offering. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas if you look on the other side from, the, from when we surveyed the employees, 62% uh, of employees say uh, mental wellness is a, is a top priority for them right now. And so there's still a disconnect in between what the employer is giving. Um, I think we all kind of thought work from home was, was uh, a key answer during the pandemic, but for a lot of organizations, that's not possible. But what will continue to be the trend will be the wellness side of it, right? And making sure that employers are give that, whereas 62% of people are asking for that right now, that they're meeting that employee where they are uh, with their arms out saying, hey, help me guide the other parts of my life. You help me promote at work. Help me keep my world straight when I'm at home too. George, I think you bring up a really good point too in terms of um, employers' responsibility in this. Um, and that's a mindset shift for a lot of organizations as well to understand that actually the well-being and the overall well-being is the responsibility of the employer. Um, it used to be, no, we're responsible for this piece and then the rest is, it sits in another bucket. Um, but more and more you're seeing the shift to people understanding this. And I think organizations who are resisting this concept and thinking this is not their responsibility, um, they're the ones that are going to be the, uh, the, 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 the dare I say it, the, the losers and the great resignation. And when people have an opportunity to opt into what matters and what is gonna drive them and make them successful, not just in the workplace, but as humans and as they thrive and live. <clears throat> um, so it, it, I think the responsibility piece is a really important point. Absolutely, and, and Linda, you make a good point, <clears throat> excuse me, about um, individuals, you know, that, that the employer responsibility, I suppose, um, 
Um, I don't want to totally blame the employer either, though, right? Because I think there's been a slow uh, paradigm shift, if you will, as employees have become more and more comfortable bringing their whole self to work. They're also bringing their whole problems to work and their whole opportunities and their relationships and their uh, health and wellness and their fitness and all of those things. Um, all of those are coming to work too. And so I think as the employee has shifted what they're comfortable sharing at the workplace, the employer has to continue. And just like Salesforce is, is clearly doing, are making those transitions to, again, meet that employee where they are uh, and show up the way that the employee needs them to. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Um, so as we know, health and wellness coaching is not the same as executive or leadership coaching. Um, so how do you see health coaching fall specifically into the ROI discussions and talent development? And that's open to the floor. Um, I, I think I'd like to sort of segue from the last question and build off George and Linda's okay. a little bit um, to get to where the, the health and wellness coach, um, which I prefer to call the well-being coach right now. Um, I think that's um, more um, relevant to workplace. A big part of well-being is not mind and body, it's work. And um, if you remember Gallup's data um, showing in their book on well-being that career was the top driver of well-being. So what, why is that? You go to work, you use your skills, you're engaged in the world, you're collaborating with other people, you get your social connection, you get your collaborate, you know, the benefits of collaboration, you get the benefits of being creative, hopefully some flow experiences. So relationships, meaning, autonomy, empowerment, growth, those are the big psychological dimensions of well-being that make you feel better about yourself. And then you're more likely to be satisfied with your life and you're more likely to cook healthy foods. So those, I think we have to realize the drivers of engagement in health habits comes because we feel good about ourselves and our lives and our contributions. So I think the, the, the starting point is for leaders and employers to really get that that's the driver of a lot of the rest. So it's more than responsibility, it's really an opportunity. Um, and so I think, I think when you see it all as all this interconnected, you know, stuff, then the coach is there to help just like, um, you know, I mean, there are all these coaching companies now that are scaling up professional coaching for leaders, managers. And I think the well-being coach is just going to fit into that whole package because some people's needs will be maybe more about managing their people and conflicts and, and interpersonal skills. And some others will need more with, you know, their mindsets, their, their mindfulness, and others will really struggle with eating and sleep and stuff. So I think I see this just getting integrated into the coaching milieu, the, co the professional coaching milieu, and that it's just part of you know, part of, um, you know, because we we've got, uh, Linda, you can, and everybody can speak more to EAPs and all these, we have this long, long list of benefits that don't get used, right? <laughs> you know, you just check the box and we've been paying for them forever. I think the coach, you, you, you pay for what you use, you have variety to help everybody where they are, and it just becomes part of, you know, for the, the organizations to really depend on, you know, peak mental um, psychological performance, you know, it's just part of the package. Anybody else? Yeah, I'll, I'll share. Um, so I think there's, uh, there's several things to unpack when it comes to ROI. I think 
the simple ones are things like absenteeism, right? Engaged employees that uh, have a better all overall health and wellness show up to work more often. They show up their best self. Uh, you can also attach it to things depending on the type of industry to workplace accidents, right? And the safety within that workplace, um, depending on the industry, again, a very important component of, of ROI, not just for, for OSHA fines if something bad happens, but really just the, the cost and the mental anguish if there is a workplace accident. But I think it goes so much deeper than that. Um, as I think about as I've gone through my career, um, the times in which I've been open for development, I've been open for coaching, I've been available to learn new things. When I think about those times, I was probably in a really good headspace at the same time. Uh, life was probably, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't in the middle of a, of a tornado at the moment, right? Um, as I think about other times in my life, other chapters, and, and like when I went through my you know, many years ago, it probably wasn't the best time for career advancement and coaching from my boss of things I could do better. And so when you think about engaging a whole person uh, and helping them navigate the waters of life, because life will continue to happen to all of us, I think we can, we, we have the opportunity to help people from a timing standpoint as well. And what's the best time to help you develop? What's the, when are you most open for coaching and how can I take your career and help grow your career to that next level in a way that makes sense for where you are with everything going on within your life? And I, I think also the, the other piece on the ROI that we're, we're missing here is the retention piece. I mean, the cost to hire, the cost to ramp an individual um, but also it's, it becomes part of, it becomes part of your brand as an organization as well, um, in terms of your care for your humans in there. You know, one of the things that's a distinct advantage for us, uh, is that we have this mindset. Um, and when we hire people, they talk about, you know, how important that is. It's not because you know, it's, it's not, we're not the highest paying company out there. We're not the company with the most brand recognition. It's not necessarily the sexiest product, you know, it's software as a service. Um, yet that ethos that exists within the organization is what attracts people to us. It's what makes people stay. Um, and we have an unbelievable number of what we call boomerangs. So people who leave Salesforce and come back um, because they actually have underestimated how much of an impact uh, this focus and this care um, has on them and on their ability to perform. So coming back to what George is saying, like, you know, making sure those investments are there, it puts people in that right space to be <clears throat> at, the, at their very best uh, and to thrive in the workplace and out. And I, I often ask people, I say, you know, how are you? Um, and as long as I can get past the American, fine, thanks, how are you? And get a little deeper in there. People will often ask, you know, do you mean, do you mean at work or do you mean at home? And I'll say to them, if, if one isn't working, the other one is not working either. Uh, so having that, that holistic approach, having that holistic focus, um, the ROI on there is, is significant. Uh, and I think pe people are feeling the, the, the pain on this more than ever right now. Well, that boomerang speaks very highly to the work that you're doing there. That's wonderful. Um, so uh, last question, I'm curious to know, um, I feel like there's a, relatively steep learning curve for both employers and employees about what health coaching is. Um, I'm curious to know about any thoughts about initiatives or um, how, to, how to ramp up education of, of the public on both sides um, about, about what, it, what it is and what it can do and what it can be. Um, so let me, let me kick that one off because I don't know that that's actually the state of affairs having been in this field 
for 22 years um, and watched it from scratch. You know, we created the first school, the first coaches went and got jobs in corporate wellness. And back in those, in the like, back in those days, health insurance companies had things called coaching, you know, what I call cloud coaching services um, that it started off as disease management services and then it became lifestyle or whatever, what, you know, everybody had different names. And those have been built into health plans and sold to big employers for a very long time. And they're, um, most of us have had calls from one of those coaches. And so the history is that, that health coaching is actually this you know, 10 minute, 15 minute call from someone who's kind of rushed, who's got a checklist, um, who's checking to see if you're taking a diabetes medication and, um, and it's not coaching. And so, so that's that that there's a there's a you know that's kind of where we've come from. It's not the entire industry because there's always been a group of coaches that are well trained and and doing you know proper sessions, being on site. I think I think the real message is that of the professionalization of the field of the field actually creating standards, of creating a national a, a standard of of getting um in through the gates of healthcare and and being able to bill insurance um which legitimizes the coach even if a lot of coaches don't bill you know it, it's it's a serious profession now and so i think that i think that it that it's grown up to that and then the point i made earlier that well-being is whole um and um it is a coach um ideally is comfortable with all of that because people's lives are messy linda you really spoke to that people's lives are messy, you know, they're hard. And these conversations are not easy. You know, they're, they're demanding to be with just the way people are, you know, dealing with life stresses. So, so yeah, I think just recognizing that this is a solid profession now, people are well-trained and they can really make a difference. Yeah, I'll add, um, Margaret, that, that was great. I, I completely agree with everything that you just stated. I think um, representing the HR realm, um, <clears throat> most HR leaders are already thinking about this. It is an important initiative that they're bringing to their CEOs and their CFO single day to say our employees need this. So I think there's, there's awareness there. I think as any good CFO or CEO should ask is what's utilization going to look like? And I think in general, we need to help the employee better understand how to utilize this resource. Because I think so often in, in, in at least historically, Margaret, kind of to your point, um, I think we've approached these coaching things like there's a knowledge deficit. Well, you know, George, you don't know how to eat healthy enough, or you don't know how to take your medicine the right way, or you, you don't know how to process um, stressful situations. And really, with where we're at today from a technology standpoint, there is no such thing really as a knowledge deficit uh, in our world anymore. What there is is a behavioral deficit, right? It's the that's where the coaching comes in. That's teaching people how to create the right habits um, for themselves, so that when turmoil approaches or an issue approaches, or you get presented with a delicious chocolate cake in the break room, you have the discipline uh, to to maybe make a different choice if that's what you're uh, attempting to do. And so I think it's so important that we help individuals understand this, this isn't a knowledge thing. Coaching isn't about teaching you new things. It's about creating some accountability and helping you create for yourself the behaviors and the habits uh, that will help you become the most optimized version of yourself. Yeah, I think I think that's spot on, George, in terms of the behavioral shift 
um, that is required and also the, you know, the support that's given. And you know, in terms of getting that message out there um, to employees, you know, in many cases, it's um, the, the leadership also owning this and talking about this, where we've seen some of our biggest sort of upticks um, in the uptake of some of these benefits is when one of our very senior leaders comes on a call and actually speaks in a very vulnerable fashion around you know, what their challenge has been um how they addressed it how they look because you know you, you sort of have this sense that as, as you get more senior like you've got it more together i'm like i need the support more than ever the more senior i get the the more i the more i need this to keep me on track um, so having that having that understanding this is also something a lot of our customers are asking us about this uh, so i spend a lot of my time speaking with customers uh, they, and they're like okay that's great we don't we, we get it on the product side that's that's great Tell us what you're doing um, in terms of your your culture and the things that are driving it. Tell us what you're doing from a wellness standpoint. And it's important that we are sharing what this success is. It's you know it is part of our secret sauce, but that's not to be uh, held just to us because the entire ecosystem benefits um, from this piece. So making sure that that word continues to get out there. Um, I see more and more articles coming up, more and more news stories, more and more podcasts. So this is more and more on people's minds, um, and they're they're asking and they're hungry for how they can how they can make this work in the workplace. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so the symposium's tagline is "Building Blocks to Happy and Healthy Humans," and so just um, I would love to hear what you all think makes for a happy and healthy human. Linda, do you want to go? Sure, and it's you know it's funny. I, t I I tell my leaders if they if they if their if their KPI of success is making someone happy, um, and that's the direct KPI, they're going to fail every day. But they have to create the environment and do all of the things that help uh, allow a person to be happy um, and to choose to be happy. Uh, but it is focusing on you know the mental well-being, the physical well-being, um, the sleep piece. Uh, this ability to thrive, this ability to be a resilient uh, individual, um, you know, from a, a food standpoint. So we talk about, you know, eating, sleeping, thriving, um, also financial well-being. There's a lot of stress that uh, is linked um, to lack of clarity around one's own financial well-being. So thinking of this holistic individual uh, as well. And you know, then the, the other pieces in terms of from a work standpoint and our investment in their careers, et cetera, I think could come after that, but it's making sure that those pillars are, are covered in the first place. George? Yeah, I would love to go next. So um, I often say this a lot. Um, and so I think that there's five things that you could really tie back to a person's longevity. I, I'd like to live as long as I can in this world. And so uh, I believe in my in my deep research, there's five things uh, that, uh, that that create that. Number one uh, is eating nutritious uh, foods, uh, getting a, a nice variety of those good foods. Number two is a strong recovery, um, sleeping and making sure that you're getting the proper amount of sleep. Three is exercise. Um, all of these things seem seem pretty uh, normal. Four, as you could guess, is family and community is having some of that. There's a lot of research to show that having that strong uh, community uh, increases longevity. But the fifth one is the one that I kind of care most about because I don't think it gets talked about very much, and that is doing meaningful work. Um, there are so many connections, so much research behind doing uh, the work that you do being meaningful and what it does 
for the rest of your life, the, the other parts of your life. And I love your line. If one's not working, then the other one's not either, right? If home's not, if, if work's not working, home's not either. She didn't say it was one way. She said, if home's not working, work's not working. It's if one's not working, the other one isn't either. And so I really love that. Um, I think doing meaningful work is incredibly important. We have a finite amount of time on this world. Uh, and I think we are all built to do something that's impactful and something that we can be really proud of. Uh, and so I think it's important that as workplaces, we create and foster an environment in which people can do that. Uh, and I think if of all these things, that's our biggest responsibility is, is helping them find that meaningful work in the work that they do every day. Well, that, that weaves beautifully together with what Margaret was saying earlier about contribution, um, contributing and feeding well-being. So it's wonderful. Great. And Margaret? So uh, to add um, uh, to this conversation, because we've got we've talked about lots of aspects of well-being, I just want to point out that um, in the field of psychology, there's not agreement around what is well-being and what constitutes well-being and what goes and what's not. That's one of the big criticisms of the positive psychology world is that there's not an Uber framework. And so we've lots and it's very fragmented. Um, and also, you know, my creative work as a coach is around the idea of multiplicity of mind and the mind having multiple parts that all are different according to each of our own personality structures, which means that what I need is different from others psychologically not not the lifestyle medicine piece but psychologically so um the thing i want to add is the idea of having a do-it-yourself wheel instead of a wheel handed to you here's your wheel how are you doing on this this and this you actually build your own wheel around because sometimes you don't have a balanced life right you're working you just have to work more than you wish to and that's just where you're at so the other stuff might just get not not as much balance so i think creating your own wheel, your own, your own menu, and then tying yourself to improving in those areas is, um, is a different way of looking at it and allows everyone to kind of create their own drivers right now that are relevant to right now. That's wonderful. Yeah. <clears throat> the, um, the word that seems to encompass all of this is whole, you know, to allow people to show up at work whole, to be at home whole, wholly who they are. Um, and driven by and connected with all of that deeply. So um, thank you all so much for your participation today. Um, as we see all of this being incorporated more and more and we see that uptake rising well above 17, 18%, much, much higher, um, I, I, I suspect we will have your work, um, three of you, greatly to thank for all of that. So um, thank you for your insights today. Thank you for coming to the Global Health and Wellbeing Coaching Symposium. And thank you to your uh, coach.health for hosting us and organizing all of this. Um, I really appreciate your time. <laughs>